Welcome to Practicing Courage, a space where we're dedicated to exploring what it means to live well and engaging in practices that support finding the courage to do so. Welcome back. How's it going? Are you enjoying these weekly practices? I'd love to hear more about your experience, and there's a couple ways to do that. First, feel free to send me a direct message on LinkedIn or at joshuasteinfeldt.com and let me know how it's going for you. And a second way, which is really in the spirit of growing a greater sense of connection, I'm going to launch a once a month virtual event for all members of the Practicing Courage community. That's completely free. It will include the opportunity to practice together, to connect, and to engage in some Q&A. I'll have more details soon, but for now, I would encourage you to head to practicingcourage.com forward slash join hyphen community to become a member if you haven't already, as all the live events will be posted there. All right. Let's get to our practice for today. Here's a bit of a lead-in. Practicing courage begins with gaining clarity about what you care about. In other words, having a worthwhile goal that involves some degree of risk, maybe it evokes some fear, and ultimately, that you choose to pursue. Now, in that pursuit of living in greater alignment, any number of obstacles may arise along the way, one of which is mindsets or behaviors that may no longer be serving you, which is what today's practice is all about. So let's begin with a question. Are there any habitual ways of thinking or behaving in your life, work, or relationships that if you were to let go of would bring greater ease, well-being, fulfillment, or alignment to what you really want? Here's just a few examples of what some of these tendencies can look like. Staying quiet rather than being assertive when you disagree. Saying yes when you actually need to say no. Trying to prove, perhaps over and over again, that you're right. Beating yourself up rather than speaking to yourself the same way you would speak to a good friend. True confession, I've worked with all of these. I'm still working with some, as well as a host of other habits myself. I say this first to acknowledge that if you're working or struggling with some of these habits, you're not alone. And also to highlight again that living well is an ongoing practice. So that being said, let's talk about letting go. There are a couple of key points I want to bring in here that come from past podcast guests. First, Dr. Judd Brewer is one of the world's leading experts on habit change. Personally, I've found his work to be some of the most helpful I've ever come across when it comes to letting go of unhelpful habits. And for today, I'll offer a couple of headlines from his work, but there's a lot more depth to it. So if you're interested, I'd really encourage you to check out our past conversations on the podcast so you can hear from Judd directly or to check out his website, drjudd.com, where you can learn a lot more about the work he's doing. 
So as we dive in, here's a bit of context that might be useful. All of the tendencies I described a few moments ago can be viewed through the lens of a three-step habit loop, which includes a trigger, a behavior, and a reward. To make things concrete, here's an example. I'm asked to do something. Trigger. I say yes. Behavior. I get the reward of avoiding the potential discomfort or conflict that could arise in saying no. And or maybe I get some sort of recognition or thanks. I quickly see that saying yes leads to rewards. And I continue to say yes. This is how our brains learn. It's called reward-based learning, and it's helped us survive. Perhaps the simplest example when it comes to survival is when food is scarce. I see food, trigger. I eat food, behavior. I feel good, also known as I survive, reward. And I do it again. The bottom line, we continue to engage in behaviors that are rewarding. And over time and with repetition, these behaviors can turn into habits. Now here's where things get interesting. Behaviors, including ways we think, which may have been rewarding or served us in certain situations, contexts, relationships, or historically, may no longer be that rewarding or may no longer serve us. And yet we continue to engage in them, which brings up the somewhat obvious question. If they're not rewarding, why are we continuing to engage in them? Now, this is a big question, and I won't pretend to have a definitive answer by any means. But here's at least part of the reason. These habits become so ingrained that they're often happening below conscious awareness. By definition, they're a habit, so they've become automatic, instinctual. And as a result, there's a lack of awareness or conscious questioning about how rewarding or whether or not they're rewarding at all now, today, given who we are and what we care about in the present. This lack of awareness and lack of conscious questioning presents a big opportunity, which in essence is today's practice. If we pay attention in the present moment with curiosity, we can see rewards more clearly in real time and we can update how rewarding they actually are in our brains. Judd calls this updating the rewards value. So you probably see where this is leading. If I start to clearly see and update a reward value for a certain behavior, let's take that example from earlier of saying yes, from what used to be an eight on a 10 point scale where 10 is the most rewarding to what is now a three. My brain over time will say, hey, that's not rewarding. Why are you doing that? And I will begin to become disenchanted with the behavior, essentially waking up to how certain ways of being and operating in the world are no longer as rewarding. And I can potentially begin to more easily and naturally let go. At the same time, I can also pay attention to the rewards I get from a new behavior that's values aligned, like saying no respectfully. And then I can feel into those rewards. What is it like to have less on my plate experientially? What does it feel like to stand in integrity with my values? 
if I clearly see the new behavior, saying no respectfully, is more rewarding than the old one, not only will that old behavior start to fall away, the new behavior will over time and with practice potentially become a habit that helps me to live in greater alignment with what I care about most. So as you move forward this week and beyond, you can give this a try for yourself with this simple process. Step one, ask yourself, are there any habitual ways of thinking or behaving in your life, your work, or your relationships that are no longer serving you? That if you were to let go of would bring greater ease, well-being, fulfillment, or alignment to what you really want now. Step two, next time you engage in that behavior that you identified in step one, invite curiosity into the rewards that you are actually getting in real time. A simple question that can help here is, what am I getting from this? Again, inviting curiosity. And then step three, feel into the actual rewards that you're getting now. One important takeaway from Judd's work that he and his team have done in their lab is that this is not about a cognitive knowing of the rewards. I may know, for example, cognitively, that a certain behavior isn't serving me, but I'm still engaging in it. What seems to make the biggest difference in letting go is feeling into the actual rewards in the body, the senses, etc. If I take the example of saying yes that we've been working with, I might in the moment feel into what it's like to say yes when I should actually be saying no. How does it feel in my body? Is it contracted or expanded? What emotions do I notice when I say yes, etc.? This type of curious present moment awareness to the actual real-time rewards helps to accelerate that process of updating the reward value in the brain. And in case you have some doubts, or you're like me, and you just find some reassurance in a bit of data or research, here's an example. One of the habits that Judd has focused a lot on is quitting smoking. And when he compares his program, which invites this approach that we've been talking about, and compares it to gold standard treatment for tobacco cessation in controlled studies, Judd's program turned out to be five times as effective, which to me was pretty mind-blowing. So hopefully that offers a bit of reassurance. And again, if you'd like more detail, you can check out our past conversations where he dives into that further, or you can always go to drjud.com. Now coming back to our process, step four, after you felt into the real-time experience of the rewards that you're actually getting, remember that these habits that may no longer be serving you are there because at one point they were rewarding or they served you well. So the invitation here would be to see if you can practice kindness toward yourself as you work through this process. I was recently reminded of the importance of this in a conversation on the power of compassion with Jerry Colonna and Leah Weiss. Jerry, who's a CEO coach and best-selling author, shared that so many of these habitual tendencies that we engage in, which at certain points no longer serve us, are there because they're survival strategies. 
At some point, they may have helped us get through some of the greatest challenges in our lives, potentially even surviving extraordinary adversity. Recognizing this truth can help to unlock self-compassion or a kinder way of approaching the messy process of letting go of some of these outdated ways of being or operating in the world. And step five, which is the final step, is an invitation to engage with this entire process through curiosity and an experimental attitude. See how it works for you. If it does, great. If it doesn't, you can let go of it too. Thank you for your practice today. I look forward to continuing with you next Tuesday. Thank you.